G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Hi, it's Neil Johnson and welcome to today's 2020 podcast. Remember, you can hear 2020 on the Vision Radio Network from 10 a.m. Eastern. That's 11 a.m. Australian Eastern Summer Time. Back in the late 1970s, a bunch of knockabout young surfers got together in a working-class fibro cottage at Cronulla in Sydney's south to have a bit of a chat. That was the beginning of a worldwide Christian ministry, a movement that today has more than 500 groups in 35 nations, staffed by 1,500 volunteers. It's the story of Christian surfers. Where else but in Australia would such a group get its start? And it's celebrated in a brand new book by the founder of the group, Brett Davis. It's called Groundswell, the Christian Surfer's Story. To share this rich story of faith, fun and a fair few mishaps along the way, Brett Davis spoke to Lee Hatcher. Brett, welcome. Yeah, hi Lee, great to be here. And congratulations on the book and the story. You were just 18 and had only recently found out about Jesus when you blokes gathered in that Guymere cottage. That's right. I had come from a non-churched uh, background. Parents sent me along to Sunday school. I think it was the Anglican babysitting service where you put 10 cents in a plate and uh, <laughs> your parents don't have to turn up. <laughs> you weren't alone. Yeah, yeah, with my two younger brothers. Um, then a small encounter with a, a boys' brigade, a boys' group at uh, Guymere Baptist Church in those early days. But um, I told God that when I was old and about to die, I'd catch up with him because I was going surfing. And as a teenager, that was a whole lot more exciting than any of the Christianity that I'd seen. Yeah. And it was only when I met a 16-year-old at high school who uh, was a Christian and a surfer. I didn't think you could be that in one Fancy, body. Fancy, yes. That's right. So that was the absolutely uh, revolutionary turning point for me. What was it about this bloke Jesus as you refer to him as? Yeah, well, look, you know, I, I had a familiarity with the Bible stories and um, thought Jesus was a, a great person, a great character. But um, at that stage in life, even the shine was starting to wear off my surfing. I could see that you could be the greatest surf, and with the switching of the tide and the change of the wind, it was gone. It was no foundation for life. I'm about to leave high school. I'm wondering about what I'm going to build my life on. And I thought to have God in my life, and now that I'd actually met a Christian surfer, someone who not only understood my language but understood my world, was I able to make that connection and um, yeah, things changed. So what was it that brought those two elements of your life together and why, faith and surfing? How did that begin? Mm, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, because... Um, when I was, you know, a thirteen-year-old studying surfing, I told God that he had to go because surfing was coming. Yes. And uh, ironically, after I had become a Christian, really looking to the person of Jesus, I realised this should be the most exciting, dynamic thing in your life. And as soon as I'd actually thought those words, I sensed God speak to me, Brett. What is the most exciting, dynamic thing in your life? I knew the right answer was to say Jesus, yes. but the real answer was surfing. And I realised then that actually surfing had to go for Jesus to truly come into my life and uh, really take charge. And ironically, after making that surrender 
Uh, two weeks later, my mate Jeff Thompson came up and said, look, I've got this crazy idea that we should start a Christian surfer group. So um, just as I'd given over my surfing, God, I had this strong sense he'd given it back with the proviso that, well, just remember who it belongs to, and from now on it's going to be used for my glory. So you own. didn't have to let it go. That's the interesting thing, because I often think God is a God who wants good for us, actually. Yes. And will often work through the things that hits our buttons that we love. Yeah, well, it's right. You, you've got your passions, and it's a matter of combining that with God's purposes. And so uh, we had started this group initially with the name Christian Surfers Fellowship, and the vision was, look, you know, we're sort of marginalized from our surfing community because we're Christians. We felt marginalized from the Christian community because we're surfers. <laughs> How do these two worlds combine? Yes. And so the group emerged. But we dropped the word fellowship within about 18 months because we quickly realized that this has far more potential than just looking after a bunch of Christians who surf. Yes. You wanted to make a difference. How and why? Hmm. Well, firstly, how uh, we knew that there was no one else really engaging with the surfing community as Christians. And we figured if we don't step up and do this, who else is? Because we quickly knew from our own experience that we didn't connect with a lot of traditional church methods and people. Um, and, and in terms of you know how that was going to go about, we figured that by forming a group and creating a sense of community within the surfing community that provided a truly Christian alternative to everything else. Remembering I'm, I'm talking about the puberty blues era. Yes, I mean, It's yes. been on television. I mean, those girls are my age and uh, we're at a high school around the corner from us. There was a, a, a profound drug culture that was sort of cutting a terrible uh, cut through that community. There was a whole need for some sort of alternative being on offer. And we figured as Christians who surf, we could make that change. I actually think there'd be few endeavours in life where there'd be a closer link to God or creation. You're sitting out the back so at one with his creation, riding that perfect wave. How can you not wonder out there about the one behind it all? Yeah, it's a good point, Lee. And I'll be honest and say of all the surfers I've met over this last 40 years, I've only met a handful probably on one hand that would call themselves atheists. Surfers are very much creation-believing people and therefore perhaps creator-believing people. They don't know necessarily who it is and they'll splash the water and say a prayer to Huey to bring in the next good set. But I think the difference is that they worship the creation rather than the creator. And as Christian surfers, we saw that we had something very profoundly to connect with them in the creation but then point them to the creator behind the waves itself. Is there much talk about God out the back? Uh, I think most people are pretty busy just trying to get more than their share of waves. Um, so I'd have to be honest and say there isn't much talk, but there is a lot of talk about, like, just check that sunset, look at that wave, how's that perfect barrel, how good is this? Uh, there's a great appreciation of the creation. And like I said, apart from an offhand reference to Huey, the surf god, um, I'd have to be honest and say that for most guys it's a fairly hedonistic, self-centered existence out there oh, yeah. most people are getting their share away so it's one thing to kick something off like this it's an entirely different thing to see it grow into what has become a worldwide movement give us an idea of how far and wide it has spread because it's quite a story yeah well uh, a lot of people ask me even as a result of this book well what was your vision of christian surfers well i'll tell you what my vision was it was next monday night <laughs> what are we going to do next monday it's just a ragtag bunch of teenagers and we had no vision of this going anywhere yeah. but after a couple of groups starting uh, we had a national conference in 83 
We discovered people in other countries had a similar mindset after we'd published a couple of uh, surfing evangelistic comics in uh, some surfing magazines. And bit by bit, we were amazed to see that this could be a platform for other people to use. So um, first international conference in 93 in Hawaii, and then in 2000, we formed ourselves as a formal international mission organization. And as you mentioned earlier, it's it's grown across the world in over 35 countries with a certain number of staff, but primarily uh, a good sort of 1,500 volunteer leaders from all different church backgrounds working together. So no vision, no grand design or <laughs> ambition. Yeah. Why do you think it caught on as it did? Yeah, good question. A uh, short answer would say because God wanted it to <laughs> because we certainly didn't have Tick. it. Um, but I think it just it grew as we grew. We were such young, raw Christians ourselves. And as we grew, and I think like Jesus says, it's like the parable of the mustard seed. You just be faithful in small things yes. and God will... Uh, grow it and I love the parable of the mustard seed because it's our story because it grew into this great spreading tree in which many people found refuge in we're the only surfing group that will embrace the body border the short border the long border it doesn't matter what you ride we're more concerned about you as an individual so I think there was an appeal in that um, for sure but um, and, and God was very gracious he brought along some really good people um, we've had plenty of um, you know, mishaps and mistakes along the way, but by and large, there's been a truly sincere Christian faith that's carried us through. And it's been because we've really focused on the gospel and the cross of Christ and thought, you know, we, we come from all different backgrounds, but that's the one thing we can agree on, and it's major on that. I wonder if Jesus would be surprised to see you blokes at work doing this in his name. Uh, well, um, some would say he was the first surfer having walked on water. But, um, <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, um, but certainly um, I think that Jesus caught a lot of, you know, when you think about those early fishermen that he called, yes. I think a lot of them would have been fit the surfing category. And in fact, when he said to Peter, look, from now on you won't be catching fish, you'll be catching men, I relate that from now on we're not just about catching waves, you're out there to catch men and women on the waves. It's a great answer. You're listening to the 2020 podcast on the Vision Radio Network. We continue the conversation between Lee Hatcher and the founder of Christian Surfers Australia, Brett Davis, about the new book which tells the story of this organisation that sparked a worldwide ministry fellowship. Give us a few examples of the kinds of work in which Christian Surfers is involved. It's a range of contexts around the world. It's just not about surfing, is it? That's right. Um, look, you know, you, you've got your sort of more settled Christian-based countries like the United States or Australia, New Zealand and the UK where we run multiple uh, small groups, uh, many, many teenagers involved with that, through to a very different context. Uh, for example, in a restricted access country in Indonesia, uh, we'll be running community work uh, with a centre um, that runs all sorts of sort of board sport-related skateboarding and surfing uh, aid-related things. I took a mission team to the surfing location in Chile after the big earthquake there. We partnered with Homes of Hope, and um, it was just a great connection that you could mobilize surfers to not only just go and take waves, but to go and contribute into surfing areas where there's needs. Right through to South Africa, where they've been doing surf coaching in disadvantaged black communities. Uh, they have a whole program that's a mentoring program that uses surfing as a great way of engaging young people. 
It's wonderful work, Brett. There's one particularly poignant moment that you detail in the book, and that's the story of the former world surfing champion Andy Irons in 2010 and his death. Take us through what happened around that. Yeah, uh, some years ago, again, at quite a miraculous opening, we were given the opportunity to establish chaplaincy on the world professional circuit. Now, that Pro Tour has been a crazy wild party scene for a long time, and a Christian chaplain was certainly not the most welcome side on it. No. Um, and most chaplains would say you're sort of in the background until there's a crisis. And sure enough, uh, our men's chaplain, Abe Andrews, was on location in Puerto Rico following the world tour. And the tragic news came through that uh, en route home, Andy Irons had suddenly died in a hotel room in the United States on his way there. Uh, that suddenly thrust Abe into the... Uh, the tough position of being, uh, as you know, when a tragedy comes, they're looking for the God man who's um, not afraid of death, who has a hope beyond death. And Abe was able to step up and comfort officials and surfers alike to say a prayer and some words at the uh, paddle out uh, commemorating Andy's loss with the surfers. And it really did put um, chaplaincy on the map as this is a valued service for that. So a great tragedy for the family and the fraternity of surfing. But it's an opportunity for God's people to step up and provide that comfort and support. I'm sure there have been lots of those too. The book is the story of faith, fun and a fair few mishaps, as you say. Give us a few stories, a couple of stories, because surfing culture is always brimming with great stories about those three arenas. Let's start with mishaps. <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> Oh, man, so many mishaps. Okay, um, I'm thinking about the uh, Jesus Pro-Am that we'd held down at Bendalong, having held it in uh, Manly for many years. We decided to change venue in 93 down there. Uh, we informed the local community. It might be surprisingly that some surfers, uh, local surfers, aren't particularly happy about a whole lot of outsiders coming to their oh, local break. shock me, yes. <laughs> it's not just a happy little fraternity <laughs> out the back. No. So I'm driving into Bendalong and there's all these signs lining the road as I come in, you know, Jesus pro, go home, Jesus oh. F off, Jesus this, that, <laughs> the other thing. I'm pulling these signs down before my people get there thinking, oh, this is just going to be a disaster. And uh, we had a, a huge storm came up that night and just flattened our contest site. All the scaffolding, tents, everything gone. We ended up in the corner of this protected end of the beach and in the middle of all of this stuff going wrong, no, Compass sends their, their film crew to video us at our very worst. <laughs> and uh, it seemed like such chaos. Um, the major sponsor at the end reneged on the prize for the winner for his return trip to Hawaii, and we had to fork out the money ourselves as the organisers. But in the midst of all that chaos, um, this resounding feedback from locals and competitors, who it was just amazing to see how you guys pulled together and work so well together in the midst of all of that. And I came to see that God isn't so much interested in how slick our approach, but sometimes it's just our Christian unity and how you cope under pressure. Yeah. So that was a that was a classic mishap. <laughs> totally. What a story. Fun. What about fun? There's a lot of that, I know. There is a lot of fun, yes. and uh, that's sort of surfing's middle name and yep. the reason why people surf. It's prolonged adolescence. <laughs> you look so young, Brett. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't look a day over my 70 years of age. <laughs> look, I mean, surfing does keep you young, and when you're dealing with a bunch of teenagers in particular, grommets, I mean, every surf is just brimming with hilarious accounts. Yeah. Um, we did a, uh, a fun night at Cronulla in uh, Ganamata Park. It was a commando night, and we'd all sort of had the young teenagers dress up in black. We had some charcoal for their faces. Some had balaclavas. And uh, they were sent off in teams 
to do a series of checkpoints around the park. And one of the checkpoints was to go into the local milk bar across the road. I tuned it with the storekeeper, buy a red skin and come out again. Well, if you were a member of the Neighbourhood Watch community and you saw four balaclava-had teenagers run into a shop and run out again, what do you think the report went back to the police? Yes. Armed robbery in progress. And as uh, I'm sort of rounding up the kids at the end of the night for the Bible study talk at the end, you'd hear all these sirens and they got louder and more of them. And sure enough, we're suddenly surrounded by this SWAT team and all these other people with the sergeant bellowing at the kids going, you know, what are you guys doing? Yeah. And, and we're sort of pleading innocence. And, um, it's the, the kids, red skin. That's right, the red skin. And the kids thought it was hilarious. And uh, the police didn't take a shine to it all and said, if you ever do that again, please call us first. <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay, mishaps, fun, and finally, faith. Oh, look, um, there have been a lot of surfers who would otherwise never have experienced the person of Jesus and come to faith. Uh, I can think of lots of names. I think of just one in particular. Uh, shares my name, Brett Holston, again from Cronulla. Uh, one of our young Grommies, I remember taking him to Bells Beach on our first trip down there, sleeping in the back of the car in the car park. And as a 15-year-old, he was saying, look, Brett, he said, can't we have all this Christian surfers without the Jesus stuff? You know, like, I love you guys. I love the surfing. love the programs and activities. Why have we got to have the Jesus bit? I'd say, well, mate, you know, if it wasn't for the Jesus bit, we wouldn't be here. Well, look, he went on, unfortunately, to a life of pretty severe uh, uh, crime and uh, warrants out for his arrest in a couple of states and everything else, fled to another state, and God had his hand on him and uh, ended up falling with a whole bunch of other Christians and Christian surfers there and said, all those things I remember hearing from you guys at Cronulla all came back to me bit by bit. And uh, he came to faith, eventually enrolled at the Bible College there in uh, WA, lovely wife with a couple of kids and um, just transformed life from what I could have been. So there would be one example of faith. One of many thousands, I'm sure. It's a great story. It's a great book. And I love the coffee table book. Congratulations, Brett. It's a great work that you've uh, founded under God and uh, pursued. Brett, thanks so much. Okay. Thanks, Lee. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.